0: Welcome to this clinical insight. This is one of the first ones we've done in quite some time and we are hoping again like everything else to get these ramped up again um, across clinical performance and otherwise uh, hopefully taking some things that are out there that could be somewhat complicated trying to simplify them down give some practical recommendations to help people. get better and understand things a little bit better to add them to your health. Uh, this one is coming back around to myself, finishing my second set of 25 hours around trigger point dry needling. Um, this was done through Midwest Rehabilitation Institute, uh, taught by Dr. Eric Mitz. Uh, really enjoyed my first 25 hours with them. Learned a ton, not just about the practice of dry needling but a lot of the theory behind it and um, other things as well but in this one uh... we talked about electrical stimulation with dry needling which was very interesting and kind of makes you want to not use regular stim ever again just because you can get into the intramuscular part of to do it and that is the benefit um, of utilizing the needles and so within this weekend he got talking about um, Doctor Chan-, Chan Gun, who is big in the early stages of intramuscular dry needling. Looking at myofascial pain syndromes, uh, looking at if they're neuropic, neu- neuropathic. Excuse me. Um, also looking at um, what other causes could really be behind what's causing the chronic pain that a lot of people deal with. So as we're talking about this today, it is going to be more gear on that chronic pain, not necessarily acute things, um, that you might see in more of an athletic setting or just right away when they happen injuries. So it's for me, still trying to figure out how to best apply this model on a scale, um, in division three athletics and how that works with acute injuries or even what we call chronic uh, injuries but not necessarily chronic pain whereas someone who may just be dealing with pain for months or years this could be really really applicable to them Uh, so one thing that they started looking at was the spondylolysis nociception uh inflammation model and it couldn't take everything into account because when you would get an MRI or imaging, you would see that there was something wrong, in quotes, or abnormal, but they wouldn't have any pain. So you couldn't necessarily tie structural issues to pain. And this is one that's become a lot more prevalent lately in a lot of different posts out there. Some very good reads is, um, you aren't necessarily what your MRI says. So you can go get an MRI and you may have significant disc herniation or even just a small disc herniation, and that can tell you that, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have pain or that the dysfunction is going to be associated with it. And that's something to keep in mind, and it's just because you see something there it can be a double-edged sword, because now, yes, you know something's going on, but would that potentially cause you to have pain, because now you know there is something there, um, and that is the hard part of dealing with a lot of these issues. Anyway, so as this comes back around, um, the work by Dr. Gunn uh, came up with the Ridiculo-Neuropathic Myofascial Pain Model, or RNMP. Uh, This was... Combining a lot of different things to help explain Painless nerve impingement uh, Why strengthening doesn't always work with chronic pain. Uh, You may be overstimulating um, an already overstimulated muscle Um, You found that the interventions that do work um, Patient-dependent Acupuncture, trigger point, dry needling, manipulation, can myofascial release, both self and otherwise, trigger point injections, and there's a multitude of other things that you could potentially try um, to address it looking at this ridiculous neuropathic myofascial pain model. So what he ended up combining with is um, Cannon's Law, which was talking a lot about the neural connection um, to the muscle and the nerve endings and the multiple parts of those nerve endings and so what they were finding within this is as the in general as the nerves come in they stimulate the muscle acetylcholine's release that causes a contraction hits the action potential muscle contracts well as things would get de-innervated for a multitude of reasons and we'll talk a little bit about how that happens in the idea of this model they found that the muscles become more sensitive to acetylcholine with decreased nerve um, innervation and decreased connections so w- what was happening is even with some stimulation if parts of the muscle were getting hit with acetylcholine that weren't directly by a nerve innervation it made it very sensitive and a whole action potential might not occur um, but it would still cause some form of contraction or almost more spastic than controlled than we'd want to and so they theorize that it could be because of nerve sickness that the nerve just isn't working at 100% um, or if you go back to the spondylolysis, which is a small fracture in your spine um, usually just stress fracture occurs over time that can lead to bone spurring or subtle changes in the anatomy of their vertebrae, which then can put some stress on that nerves. And so the example that was used is if you have a good rope and it's moving over a smooth um, rock, that rope should stay intact, no problem. It'll stay fully thick, won't have a lot of fraying. So if that is the nerve, everything should be working fine. Well, if you start getting a jagged rock because of the bone spurs or the different things, that can then cause fraying of that rope or the nerve while well, within the nerve bundle it's not clear you know this is a sensory this is one that's going to stimulate <clears throat> this is going to be a nerve that whatever function that it may be doing don't sit in specific areas within that nerve root and so it can cause a lot of problems with that and so that's where they got to the next definition of a contracture versus a contraction which i thought was really good um the contracture is a slow progressive tension where there's not actually um action potential generated so it's not actually causing full-on movement but the progressive tension can occur from this low level stimulation but that's enough to cause that issue and potentially cause some pain and in theory potentially developing these trigger points and then the they go on to discuss these latent trigger points or what they refer to as quote silent killers uh these are the ones that you really don't know you have most of the time you can feel stiffness it's another one of those if you're sitting there, um, especially with your shoulders and somebody comes up and is going to you know, massage your neck or your traps and all of a sudden they hit a spot and then you realize that it's there. Those are the latent trigger points and those can then transition to active trigger points. Those are the ones where you can sit there and go, I have a spot right here. It's burning, tingling, pinching, whatever you would use to describe it it is there and you are well aware that it is there. Um, and those are the active ones. And so this can occur throughout the course of time within the body. And for most of us, we have trigger points. Um, we may never know that they're an issue, uh, but Kelly stared is big on saying that the state of the body should be pain-free. All the muscles should be soft and supple. Um, and if you were to get on some self-mobility tools or get a massage, you would discover that you probably have a lot of these, and that is uh, where they're at and something you can always be working on. So if we go back um, to the RNMP theory and trigger point um, being a cause, it leads to ways that we can address that. And so this is where I thought it was really good, is that if we find a spot in your arm or your shoulder um, where there is a localized contracture, um, we can treat in that area. makes sense. That's where we're finding the issue, especially if there's pain. Uh, But we also need to look at the rest of the muscle and see if we need to do something about its resting length of that muscle, uh, but we also got to look all the way back towards the innervation part of the problem, and that is going all the way back to the spine. So in this model, um, what it looks like is you're getting that muscle contracture back at the spine, the little multifidi muscle that can shorten down, whether it's because of the innervation from the nerve root coming out, whether it's a protective mechanism from the small stress fracture but whether that muscle contracture leads to the spondylolysis or vice versa but that leads to de-innervation which then leads to super sensitivity of those muscles which is then going to continue to feed that loop of muscle contracture and it's just kind of this never-ending cycle of getting a little bit tighter maybe a little bit worse a little more sore that we end up having to break um so all of this is great. Okay, we talked about the different things and how this occurs, but uh, what the big takeaways we got from this is you got to treat not just at the area of pain. And a lot of people are really good in continuing to evolve, and the people that I get to see and I work with, uh, myself definitely included, is you know working upstream and downstream of where the pain is to see if there's another area that could be having issues so again if you're we're talking about the knee and a tendinosis with the patellar tendon we've got to look upstream how tight are your quads what's your hip range of motion are we just setting up that tendon to take way too much brunt of force and we need to go back and figure out where that brunt is coming from and look upstream then also looking downstream um is there something we need to look at it your foot placement or how you're moving there in order to make sure that it's moving what is deemed efficient in order to reduce the tension that is getting put on that tendon from there now it's going to the next level can we go back and look at the actual nerve root or innervation site of those muscles um those are listed out and easy to find to really address if it is something that is coming all the way back from the source at the spine when it comes to the nerve root and the innervation and that's where i think it's can be really powerful so when we talk about recommendations um looking at your own self myofascial trigger point release yeah work on the areas maybe do a quick Google search, you know, if it's something in your shoulder, Google innervation of the shoulder muscles, it'll give you some ideas. Uh, even if you don't know necessarily where the specific vertebrae are, find another tr- trigger point tool, whether it's two tennis balls taped together as a peanut, just a tennis ball itself, a uh, golf ball, and do a little work along the spine to see if you can find some tightness in there that it might be hard to get directly down to the multifidi, in between the vertebrae, but you're at least starting to address everything on a more global scale. And I think that is something that can be really powerful and just potentially often overlooked if we don't take it into consideration when we're treating. Now, if you're an athlete and working with a athletic trainer or PT, a PT, chiropractor, whatever it may be, it might be something worth just having a conversation about, um, depending on how they do their dry needling or how they were taught, that could be something that would work good. There is a place for manipulation in terms of getting these multifidae to reflex and respond to the stimulation that comes with the adjustment. Um, Bunch of different other options, um, ART getting into that area, other forms of soft tissue release. all can be really really beneficial just straight massage could really help as well so it's a very global view of looking at this and I think that's really important and one I'm really going to try and concentrate on looking back at the innervations of the muscles when something maybe isn't responding to just basic in quotes localized treatment to start off with I have not actually read the book yet I'm looking forward to getting it at some point I have a feeling it is going to be very deep, but very useful. And that is, uh, treatment of chronic pain by Dr. Gunn. We'll link that up, um, in the description. So if that is something that you want to, um, really nerd out and check out, we would recommend that one. Uh, we got a great summary of it by Dr. Mitz, and look forward to, um, diving into this more. Uh, if you got questions, leave them in the comments. We'll do our best to, stimulate the discussion and answer. We may have to dig into some other things, but uh, just wanted to give an overview of what the RNMP or the ridiculous neuropathic myofascial pain model is and why it seems to be extremely effective and how it's combined a lot of different things together to focus on the patient and help them get better. I uh, hope you enjoyed this insight and we will talk to you guys soon.